Hey everybody, welcome back to Stuff You Don't Need to Know, and this is the continuing look at Doom Patrol. So we are currently at Doom Patrol Season 1, Episode 4, entitled Cult Patrol. And of course, I'm going to say it right up front, Nernheim sucks. Now, I'm going to say it right up front, spoilers. There are spoilers abound in this uh, look at Episode 4, Cult Patrol, which does have to do with Nernheim, and as Robot Man says, Nernheim sucks. Alrighty, so, three episodes down, three very good episodes, uh, you know, as I've said on past looks at the show, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed the show very, very much. Episode four rolls around now, you're probably thinking, okay, judging by the tone of my voice and the, uh, the sort of stance that I'm taking on it, that, um, that I really didn't enjoy this one. Here's the thing, I did enjoy this episode. Not as strong as some of the other episodes that we've seen, and here's here it is. This season, it's 15 episodes long. We're four episodes in, and we're kind of abandoning our main plot already, and kind of going on a side quest. Now, not just any side quest. Of course, we're going to prevent the, not the destruction of the world, but the, I forget exactly what they called it, uh, the decreation. That's what it is, the decreation of the world. Now, you know, like I said, and, and I've been saying this all along, uh, I didn't really read a lot of Doom Patrol in the comics, so, you know, looking up about this episode, yeah, it's pulled straight from the comics. You know, all everything that takes place in this episode, uh, some of the characters that come in, the plot, this is pulled right out of the comics. I mean, this isn't anything new or, or unusual for the Doom Patrol. However... Four episodes in, the main quest or the main storyline so far is this team of misfits comes together. Their leader, Dr. Niles Calder, is pretty much taken away by his main nemesis and really the big main nemesis of the group, Mr. Nobody. And now we're just going to put that on hold while we save the world. Uh, again, this is the second episode in the row with really no appearance of the chief except, uh, you know, not really flashbacks. Uh, we see him... Again, in some of these tapes that he seems to have made on all the different members of the Doom Patrol when he's interviewed them and tried to learn about their powers, we see him very briefly there. And not a hide nor hair of Mr. Nobody or the actor that portrays him, Alan Tudyuk. Again, he's not narrating this episode. He doesn't make any appearances at all. I mean, I believe the character is mentioned, but that's really it now. One of the big problems, and I had many, many problems with Titans, but one of the problems I had is I felt that the series was very disjointed. Uh, they had some good episodes, uh, Doom Patrol being one of them, the Hawk and Dove episodes also being pretty good, but they were kind of shoehorned in there or thrown in there at really odd places, and I think what I'm worried about, and again, this was a very good episode, you know, I'm not saying that this was a bad episode, it was a very good episode. I'm just wondering why we're why it's coming now. To me, this story arc looks like it could go on for a couple of episodes. Why not have it come towards the end? I mean, we're 15 episodes in a season here. We got a lot of time. Why are we doing this now? Granted, something bigger and badder might be coming down the road for the Doom Patrol, but it, it just seems a little odd. Uh, it seems kind of like we started off with a really kind of good mystery. Who is Mr. Nobody? What's his relationship to Niles Calder? Where is Niles Calder? And now we're kind of forgetting that. 
here's the other thing about this episode. Well, there's a few things about this episode, and another one of them is is we're introduced to a character, um, Willoughby Kipling. Now, again, like I said, I really know very little about the Doom Patrol in the comics. I did look it up. This is a character. He he does exist. My impression was he is a discount knockoff Constantine. Uh, let's see. He dabbles in the dark arts. He's British. He drinks. He's obnoxious. He's offensive. Sounds like Constantine to me. Why aren't we seeing Constantine here? Well, apparently when I was reading up on this episode and reading up about this character, uh, Willoughby Kipling, it turns out that the writers, uh, I believe, I don't know if it was the second or the third run of the Doom Patrol, did want to bring Constantine in specifically for this storyline dealing with the cult of the unwritten book and the uh, decreation of the world. They sort of were like, hey, this is right up the Hellblazer's alley. Let's bring Constantine in. DC said, no, you don't get him. So the creator said, fine, we're going to make our own version of Constantine. And that's what we get here. After reading about that, I kind of get the character a little bit more now. It's sort of like, yeah, this is the Doom Patrol version of Constantine because he is. He's just as wacky and out there and strange and odd. And trust me, Constantine's a pretty odd guy. But to sort of make an oddball version, a quote-unquote Doom Patrol version of him, I guess this is what we get in Willoughby Kipling. But not knowing all of that, you know, before I read all of that, I was really disappointed. I was like, oh, God, here we go. Knock off Constantine. I I don't know. I'm not really liking this. Uh, He casts spells by reciting the lyrics to Beatles songs backwards. Um, He sort of creates these magical barriers with rosary beads and hot sauce. Um, He summons forth the head of a blue horse that sings to them a prophecy to the tune of A Horse With No Name and kind of uses the lyrics in there as well. I mean, this is stuff that Constantine, you know, this this happens to him, maybe not as absurd as this. So, yes, this is the absurdist Doom Patrol version of Constantine. Here's my other issue with this episode. I kind of felt like, all righty, we have to establish these characters. We need to look into them. We need to develop them. And the first couple of episodes was really heavy on Robot Man and Crazy Jane. Towards the end of the second, getting into the third, we're taking a look at Negative Man, Larry. What's going on with Rita? Elasta Woman, Elasta Girl, whatever we want to call her here. Rita Farr, what's going on with her? I feel like every episode she's kind of getting pushed to the back. Um, you know, look, she's the one, she's the voice throughout all this who kind of says, you know, we're not superheroes. This is not our job. We shouldn't be getting involved, even though she constantly will just walk in on meetings and clearly makes it that she does want to be involved, but she doesn't want to be involved. I don't want to be involved. We're not heroes. And that's fine. I like that character trait. I, I, you know, I like Rita. Why aren't we getting more of Rita? You know, she kind of comes in. She does her little thing. They're all like, we get it, Rita. You don't want to be involved. And she storms off in a huff. And that's about all we're getting. I mean, they've started to de- to develop and really flesh out these characters. I mean, even Cyborg is getting fleshed out a little bit more. And he really only joined after the second episode. 
Rita's been there since the beginning. I mean, we knew about Rita from the Doom Patrol episode on Titans, and I feel like they're kind of pushing her off to the side. But, like I said up front, there's 15 episodes in this season. I'm sure we'll get more. And she does do a little bit more in this episode. She does kind of come out more to the forefront. But again, I feel sort of like they're tackling everybody else. And she's kind of getting left to the side. Maybe they want to slowly bring her along. Because like I said, we do see a little bit more from her uh, in this episode. She she kind of um, blossoms a little bit more, I'll say. But again, guys, let's get a little bit more Rita in there. Now, overall, good episode. Not one of the best. And I think I'm saying that because I feel... Not so much for the content of the episode. I really enjoy the content of the episode. Again, kind of like happened in Titans. This is a misplaced episode. I would have liked to have seen this episode a little bit further along after we've kind of gotten a little bit further with the who is Mr. Nobody and where is Niles Calder. Yeah, we could have brought this this story in a little bit later down on the line. But hey, we're here now. We're dealing with it. What's going on? So we start off and we see a baby. Hey, it's always great to see a baby, right? And he's celebrating his birthday. A joyous occasion. And we're following it along. And we see that, you know, they kind of jump ahead a few years. Like, he's 8 years old, he's 13 years old, and he's 18 years old. And as he's kind of, uh, you know, we're advancing and we're seeing these birthdays, we're seeing... On this young boy, his name is Elliot. We're seeing more and more writing on him. And his mother tells him that, you know, it's your destiny. It's your destiny to save the world. And we find out that Elliot is the unwritten book. And the cult of the unwritten book, what it is, it's a book. It's a book that when when it's finally finished, written out, and it's read about, it'll bring forth the great eye. And the great eye will decreate the world. And the world will no longer exist. Pretty much... It's pretty much almost like the Bible in reverse, or the story of creation uh, as told in reverse, I guess is the best way to really put it. So we see Elliot there. Uh, He's 18 years old. He's uh, sitting there, and he's got all this writing all over him, and his mother starts to bring out the cake, and they're singing happy birthday, and he's so excited. He's 18 years old. He's going to be a superhero. He's going to save the world. The mom's like, oh. Yep, forgot the uh, forgot the knife uh, to cut the cake, and the dad. Yeah, you know, she walks out. The dad turns to him, and she's like, "Run, get out of here! You're you're bringing forth the destruction of the world." Yeah, this is where we're starting. We cut to Willoughby Kipling. Well, we don't know it's him yet, but this is Willoughby Kipling, and uh, like I said, he is the the absurd Constantine. He knows all this is happening. He's trying to find Niles Calder. Apparently, Niles Calder has helped him in the past, especially in dealing with the cult of the unwritten book. He's attacked by the sisters of the single razor, I believe it's called, or the straight razor. Sisters of the straight razor, who are these devotic-looking nuns that basically carry straight razors. Uh, He's able to fend them off by reading a children's book to them, and they get sucked in the book. This is the Doom Patrol. I mean, this is just how it goes. Uh, He shows up at the Doom Man. He just kind of storms right in. He's looking for Niles. He's looking for a magic penny that Niles stole from him so he can summon, yes, this floating blue horse's head, which sings to him and tells him what's going on. 
And he pretty much recruits them. He tells them the whole story about the unwritten book and if it's read and this and that. So he pretty much creates a portal. The Doom Patrol jump in. They grab Elliot. They jump back out. Uh, Willoughby's like, great, good. We have him. So we're going to kill him and we're going to burn him. Doom Patrol's like, no, we're not. We don't do that. So they say, look, the only other way is there's a gateway to this world or this lost city called Nernheim. Now, again, Nernheim kind of sounds German. Last week, we had Nazi scientists, and Niles Calder was somehow involved with them. So kind of seeing heavy on the old-timey, you know, German Nazi scientist cult, occultish, you know, end-of-the-world thing here. But... Okay, it's pretty cool. So what Willoughby pretty much tells them is, he says, look, fine. You don't want to kill the kid. We'll make that our backup plan. Let's just call that our backup plan, okay? So this is what we do. You see, somewhere in the world, there's a priest. And the priest is developing the stigmata. And the stigmata, as you know, are the wounds of Christ. But these are no ordinary stigmata. They're actually a gateway to Nernheim. And what he says is that, look, if you go there and you sew it up, you sew up the uh, stigmata and close off the gateway to Nernheim, uh, then the great eye cannot come forth and uh, will prevent the end of the world for now at least. Uh, Oh, and of course, uh, you know, they're going to sew it up with dental floss, not just any dental floss, the most spiritual dental floss there is. Was it the dental floss of Joan of Arc or perhaps Jesus himself? No, it's the dental floss of Janis Joplin. I'm just going to let that sink in a little bit. This is the Doom Patrol. So, naturally, they were like, oh, sewing. Hey, Rita, you're a girl. You could sew. And she's just like, oh, now you need me. Oh, whatever, whatever. Jane's like, or Hammerhead, I should say, her personality, Hammerhead, says, well, I know how to knit. And uh, it's decided. She's going to go. Robot Man's going to accompany her. Now, before all this happened, we get a scene with Cliff, Robot Man, um... He sees himself uh, in his old life, his former life. Uh, he is with his young daughter. And again, you know, we know he is having daughter issues left and right, uh, especially after last week's episode where he realized he's basically this anger driven, you know, hate machine. Basically, he's really debating should he go and meet his daughter? Should he see her after all these years? Uh, she was the only one that survived the crash uh, aside from his brain. But he's kind of balancing back and forth. Should he do it? Should he not do it? So again, you know, he sees Jane as a surrogate daughter. So he's sort of having a vision, a flashback, thinking back to a time uh, time that he spent with his daughter. Uh, and the daughter's like, Daddy, can I take a nap with you? Um, next thing he knows, he wakes up as Robot Man, and we see Jane. But it's not Jane. It's actually Baby Doll, because we recognize the bunched-up pigtails and everything. She's asleep on his chest, just like a daughter would just like his daughter would uh he kind of takes a look and uh baby doll wakes up but now it's not baby doll no it's hammerhead and hammerhead is just what the f what's going on storms off can't believe this is happening um yeah i mean crazy jane this is a character i really love i really love the way they're bringing her along slowly introducing these personalities slowly getting into her story and we really get a lot more here in this episode so like i said one of crazy jane's personalities hammerhead hammerhead knows how to knit so hammerhead's like uh i'll go up uh i'll go out there i'll seal up the stigmata cliff's like yep i'm going with her 
I'm going with her. It's just, you know, uh, he doesn't really come out and say it, but it's sort of like, yeah, this is a surrogate daughter. He's going to go out there and protect her. While that's happening, and we'll get back to them in a minute, Cyborg and uh, Willoughby, they decide to set up defenses for the house because they know that while they're out there trying to sew up the stigmata, uh, assassins and evil forces are going to come to try to get Elliot to read him and bring uh, bring about the end of the world. Uh, there's a big debate about magic versus science, this and that, and uh, Cyborg's just a big jerk. He's pretty much becoming a jerk. He's a jerk to just about everybody, especially Rita, constantly saying, yeah, Rita, I get it. You don't want to be involved. Get out of my face. Uh, just trashes Willoughby, you know, science above everything. One thing I really loved here is we get Cyborg Sonic Cannon. Now, this is famous. I mean, if you know Cyborg, Cyborg is his Sonic Cannon. It's a practical effect. It was really, really cool to see it. To see it come about, you know, to kind of see the hand transform into the sonic cannon, and it's not CGI. Uh, it was really, really cool to see. It was great to actually see him fight, to rely on some of his gadgets. Uh, and we see more and more that he is mostly cybernetic. Um it was really, really good to see. Uh, he fights with his sonic cannon. Willoughby fights with a flaming sword. Uh, we actually get to see Rita begin to fight because uh, Elliot, Elliot, who is the unwritten book, as I said, uh, he realizes, he's like, look, it's probably better if I do kill myself. Uh, you know, my life is a lie. I don't even know if my parents even love me. Are they even really my parents? I don't know. Uh, he's like, you know, I'm not going to be responsible for the end of the world. I'm going to go kill myself. Rita finds him. She talks him out of it. She pretty much talks to him. Really just, you know, she she kind of, I don't want to say drops the act of this Harley Hollywood starlet. She kind of puts it on hold. She relates to him as a real person, and she basically kind of gives him a speech about the world being a beautiful yet horrible place, and that this isn't the answer and that she will protect him. And she does because when assassins do come for him and they get past Willoughby and Cyborg and they are going to try to grab Elliot, uh, we do see her use her power. She suddenly lashes out, extending her arm out, kind of smashing some of the villains up. But all the way over in Spain where Robot Man and Crazy Jane are trying to close up the stigmata and seal off Nurenheim, well, well, they run into a little bit of a problem. What we're learning with Crazy Jane is, is, you know, we learned this last week, 64 distinct personalities protecting the core personality of K. K never has come out as far as we know. K is buried somewhere deep in there. And these 64 personalities with their unique abilities protect her. Now, they come about not just hodgepodge, random, willy-nilly. They seem to come about in certain circumstances. What we notice is, is Hammerhead came about when Baby Doll went to Robot Man and she kind of had a tender moment with him. It's very... This is a hard thing to talk about. It's a very delicate thing to talk about because last week... Jane said that, you know, yes, there were traumatic experiences in her life that led her to developing these 64 distinct personalities, the sort of dominant or controlling one being Crazy Jane. Uh, Crazy Jane is not the core personality. Kay is the core personality. And like I said, we've never seen Kay. Um, looking up about this character, it was actually 
her distinct personalities came about because of sexual abuse. They're not saying it in the show, but now they're starting to kind of hint at it because they're in the church and Hammerhead seems to emerge and Hammerhead seems to emerge and he seems to be very angry. He's very angry at the church. He was very angry when there was a tender moment between Baby Doll and Robot Man kind of hinting at that Hammerhead is the personality that comes out if he thinks that Crazy Jane or or Kay is going to be abused in a sexual nature. That's the impression that I get. They don't say it directly, but based on some of the things that Hammerhead says and the times that Hammerhead seems to pop out at at tender moments, uh, especially when Cliff, Robot Man, tries to get and connect or tries to get tender with or try to connect with Jane, this is when Hammerhead really seems to emerge. Uh, When Hammerhead first emerged, uh, Robot Man was kind of comforting Jane. Hammerhead emerges and pretty much punched him and sent him flying across the room uh, here at the church. Hammerhead really emerges very angry, grabbing the priest, thrashing him around, talking about his quote-unquote protection and the protection of the church and the lies of the church. Not saying it directly, but look... If you read the news, you know about the allegations of sexual abuse in the Roman Catholic Church. They seem to be touching on this issue, dancing around it a bit, but this is the impression that I get. Well, this leads to Robot Man and Crazy Jane being sucked into Nurnheim. We get the line, Nurnheim sucks. Uh, Hammerhead is gone. Baby Doll is gone. We have a new personality now, Penny Farthing. Penny Farthing is a uh, sort of like... Cockneyed accent, stuttering little boy, girl, perhaps. Kind of like an Oliver Twist character. Like, yes, sir, may I have another, sir? Uh, doesn't seem to have any abilities, any powers, anything like that. Is basically a scaredy cat. But she does give us, he or she, does give us some important information by telling us that Hammerhead has been given a timeout. As well as Baby Doll. Baby Doll and Hammerhead have been given a timeout. So it seems that... Again, these personalities don't come about by random. Uh, There's a distinct pattern or there's a pattern starting to emerge about when and and where they emerge and that perhaps there's another personality underneath that's sort of kind of directing these personalities. Um, Last episode, they talked about the underground. Um, Jane, the Crazy Jane persona talked about the underground as sort of where when the dominant personality is not at the forefront, you know, well, there's a dominant personality at the forefront, the rest of them sort of lurk about in the underground. So is there a personality in the underground that kind of controls these personalities and sort of says, you know, okay, Flit, you come up now, Sun Daddy, now it's your turn. Um, And do they assign timeouts? Because apparently Hammerhead and Baby Doll are now on a timeout and we might not be seeing them for a while, which kind of stinks because, you know, right about now, Cliff could really use Hammerhead on his side. Um, He meets the parents of Elliot who are now ascended into these mystical beings. Of course, the father is dead because the mother slit the throat. Uh, And they start to talk about, you know, bringing about the decreation of the world and how it's a beautiful thing. And they start to delve into Robot Man and Jane very, very deeply. What they they see in each other, what they see in themselves. Um, You know, and basically Robot Man, you know, gets to see himself and 
what he sees in Jane is his daughter, the daughter that with um, he sees that in her. But when he sees what Jane sees in him, it's him as a robot man covered in blood and guts from the last episode. And that kind of horrifies and strickens him. So, I mean, this is really kind of where we leave off. It's, it's a cliffhanger. It seems that, uh, yeah, the end of the world or the decreation of the world is on its way. Uh, you know, despite the best efforts of the Doom Patrol, uh, it looks like the unwritten book is going to be read. And next week, well, will there still be a world? We don't know. Can the Doom Patrol save, uh, can they save humanity? Or uh, is that it? Are we all going to be blinked out of existence? Given the fact that it's 15 episodes long, I think we're going to pull through in the end. Like I said, Overall, I thought this was a very good episode. Maybe not as strong as the first three episodes, but still very, very good. I think my big complaint of it is I felt it was out of place. I would have liked to have kind of seen them progressing the story of looking for Niles, finding out a little bit more about Mr. Nobody, and discovering more about themselves. Because really in this one, this was sort of the, hey, we got a mission to do now, and sort of the character discovery is pushed aside. I mean, we did see some, and I didn't really talk about it, but we did see... um, Larry kind of delving a little bit more into the negative personality that lives in, or the negative being that lives inside of him. Uh, we did see him dive into that a little bit more, trying to understand and connect with it a little bit more. But again, it, it's kind of like wedged in there with the sort of, hey, it's fourth episode. It's time to have a mission and do some action stuff. Uh, I did appreciate that. I did appreciate the going on the mission and I did like the action. I just want some more development before we get there is it really a complaint? I don't know. I'm not really sure. But again, I'm still enjoying this series. I I think it's a great series. Uh, Definitely a big comeback win for uh, DC streaming service. Uh, Much, much better than Titans. So much better than Titans. Guys, thanks for listening. Do me a favor. Head on over to www.brothersinarmchairs.com. What the sec... What that's going to do is going to link you up to every single podcast in the Brothers in Armchair Network. Also, don't forget that I have started a new podcast with my friend John over at Nerd and Me. Uh, it is called Gab of Thrones, G-A-B. And really, anywhere uh, you find this podcast, you'll find that podcast. We talk Game of Thrones. Uh, we're on Season 7 right now, going episode by episode, leading on up to episode, I'm um, sorry, to Season 8, the 8th and final season. And we'll talk about all the episodes there as they come out. This is Jay, and I will most definitely talk to you guys later.